Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Monica Sterling, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. First to suspension and debarment. On April 18th, the Interagency Suspension and Debarment Committee issued its annual report to Congress on federal suspension and debarment activities for fiscal year 2020. During FY 2020, the ISDC continued to focus on a few areas, including promoting the fundamental fairness of the suspension and debarment process, increasing transparency and consistency, enhancing practices and alternatives to suspension and debarment, and encouraging more effective compliance and ethics programs by contractors and non-procurement participants. The ISTC also formed a subcommittee to provide recommendations and assistance to the FAR Council to better align suspension and debarment procedures in the FAR with the non-procurement common rule that's typically seen in the grant world, for example. The report notes that the number of debarments in FY20 increased as compared to FY19. However, suspensions, proposed debarments, and referrals decreased, which results of several factors, including delays in mail service, travel restrictions, postponement of proceedings, things of that sort, mostly related to, to COVID. The metrics also indicate that agencies relied more heavily on alternatives to suspension and debarment, such as administrative agreements, voluntary exclusions, post-notice engagements, and declinations. It also looks like pre-action letters, such as show cause, notices, or letters of concern, remain a very viable and active tool for SDOs. Now I'll turn it over to Monica for a regulatory update. Thanks, Peter. On April 26th, the FAR Council issued a final rule amending the FAR to support the SBA's policy of including overseas contracts in agency small business contracting goals. The rule permits small business contracting procedures, such as set-asides, to apply to overseas procurements. Now the SBA had amended its regulations in 2013 to clarify that small business contracting procedures may be applied to contracts performed outside the U.S. This new final rule clarifies that contracting officers are allowed, but not required, to use the set-aside and sole source procedures of FAR Part 19 for overseas procurements. Moving to a protest update, GAO recently sustained the protest of Starlight Corporation, finding that the Air Force did not sufficiently document its evaluation of proposals and that it had inappropriately weighed factors not specifically identified in its solicitation, down to the brass tacks. So after an initial protest and corrective action, the Air Force had determined that both Starlight's and Empire Aircraft Services, Inc.'s proposals were technically acceptable, but that Empire's past performance merited substantial confidence, while Starlight's past performance merited only satisfactory confidence. Although Starlight's price was approximately 400,000 less than Empire's, the Air Force awarded to Empire, after determining that its offer represented the best value to the government because Empire's past performance was consistently superior and its price was less than the independent government estimate. GAO sustained Starlight's protest on two grounds. First, GAO agreed that the Air Force failed to consider relevance in its past performance evaluation, as there was no evidence that the Air Force considered scope, complexity, dollar value, or extent of subcontracting or teaming when weighing past performance, all aspects the Air Force was required to consider under the RFP. Second, GAO found that the Air Force failed to evaluate the quality of past performance questionnaires pursuant to the evaluation criteria. One of Starlight's submitted past performance questionnaires rated its performance as exceptional, but the Air Force downgraded the rating to satisfactory based on the absence of narrative comments to support the exceptional rating. 
GAO held that the heavy weighting of the absence of a narrative comment was inappropriate and not in accordance with the RFP's evaluation criteria. Great, thank you so much, Monica. Next up is a decision from the Civilian Board of Contract Appeals, finding that an end user license agreement known as EULA sometimes, uh, standing alone did not constitute a procurement contract under the Contract Disputes Act. As such, the board held that they did not have jurisdiction to decide a claim resting solely on a EULA. Let me offer some details and, and tell you a little bit more about the context here. As relevant here, Kerasoft sells IT products and services to government agencies under a GSA schedule. AVU Technologies, which offers solutions for managing human resources, including software, is one of Kerasoft's subcontractors on that schedule. In 2015, the FDA ordered a subscription to one of AVU's products through Kerasoft's GSA schedule. In March 2018, AVU submitted a certified claim for approximately $41 million to the FDA contracting officer, alleging that the FDA had misappropriated AVU's intellectual property. After cross motions for summary judgment on entitlement, the board requested supplemental briefing on jurisdiction. The board explained that this is, open quote, the first case of which we are aware in which a software licensor that is not the prime contractor has brought a claim under the license before a board of contract appeals, close quote. The board found that the EULA standing alone, open quote, lacks core aspects of a CDA procurement contract, close quote. A CDA procurement contract must be, open quote, for the acquisition by purchase, lease, or barter of property or services for the direct benefit or used by the federal government, close quote. Here and most significantly to the board, acquisition by purchase occurred when the agency subscribed to AVU's product through Kerasoft's GSA schedule in those orders, and there was no acquisition by purchase directly under the EULA. So this is a really important decision. Lots of companies use these EULAs, but certainly bears close reading as you're trying to figure out how to use those EULAs in conjunction with other types of vehicles so that you've got protection under the CDA. And with that, we will close out for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Monica can be reached at 202-624-2549. Thanks for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. podcast.